0: Good morning. morning. Hope everyone's doing well. Glad to see you here in the house of the Lord. Let's get into the word. How many of you came to hear from God today? Yeah. All right. Well, open up your hearts. I believe God has something to hear, something for us to hear this morning. I won't be real honest. This is like something I'm super excited to deliver. Not that I'm I'm always excited to deliver the word the word, but I'll be honest, this is kind of a tough thing to, to kind of talk about. So uh I hope you'll bear with me, but you'll uh, open up your hearts and your ears and let's listen to what God has to say. I'll kind of give you a little bit of introduction, sort of lead to, to the thought I want us to get today. Um Anybody like sports? Anybody watch sports in here? Any sports fans? A couple of people? That's good. You can, it's okay. You can admit it. We're not going to point you out and say that you're carnal or anything. Uh, it's okay to say you're a sports fan. I'm a big sports fan. I've always been a sports fan. Uh, the Lord didn't bless me with athletic gifts, as you could probably easily tell, because He probably knew I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today. All I'd want to do is play sports somewhere, because that's that's what I'm into. But I do enjoy watching sports, and uh, I follow Mississippi State. Don't hold that against me. It causes me a lot of grief. A lot of tears have flown, uh, have sort of flowed down my cheeks over the years. Just the way it is. Uh Just this past week, I'll give you kind of an inclination. Wednesday night, Mississippi State played Texas A&M at 8 o'clock. So really, right when I left church, I was able to turn it on the radio as I was driving home. And, and the first half, man, was incredible. State went up like 15 points or so. And I was excited because, hey, we're winning. That's when you root for a team, you want to win, right? Come on, y'all can talk to me. It's okay. Y'all root for a team. You want your team to win, right? Man, yeah, he definitely likes his team to win. They do it a lot. Now, But in any case, you want your team to win. I wanted my team to win, and they were up 15, and I felt pretty good. Went home, turned it on TV for a little bit, but I'm honest, I fell asleep before it was over with and kind of said, it's okay, man, we're up. We've got this in the bag, right? Wrong. Because I woke up the next morning and saw that they had blown the game. They blew the lead, and Texas A&M won. And I was like, really? Fast forward to Yesterday. Same scenario, they're playing Florida, and Mississippi State is, is winning pretty much the whole game, but get to the end of the game, and Florida comes creeping back, they're up like nine points with a minute left. I'm like, surely we can't blow this, right? We didn't, but would you know that because of some boneheaded plays, Florida had a last second shot to win the game after being up nine points with a minute left, and I'm thinking, my goodness, what is going on here? We started so well, but we could not finish. And it got me really to thinking about what the Lord had been dealing with me about all week this idea of starting well, but not finishing I see this happen all the time most of you know I'm a teacher when I read papers sometimes I'll have kids that just really know how to start a paper man that first paragraph captures my attention that next paragraph is pretty good and then all of a sudden something happens it falls off a cliff I can tell that they knew really well one point but they didn't know how to finish and they just started making stuff up and it's like I'm like whoa that started well but it didn't finish I look at kids' grades, sometimes first nine weeks, man, they start off really well. Maybe second nine weeks, something, and then something happens after Christmas, we get the spring fever and then it doesn't end well. You're probably thinking, what are you talking about, PB? I don't know about you, but I fully believe from the bottom of my heart, with everything that's in my spirit, I've heard this all of my life, but I, I truly believe that right now we are in the last days of the church age. The church age began in Acts after Jesus had ascended. He told them to wait for a comforter to come. And in Acts 2, Pentecost happened. The comforter came that birthed the church. From that moment on, the church of Jesus Christ was birthed here on earth. And he told us to tarry and to work and to build his kingdom until the day comes when he calls us home. And I'm here to tell you that I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that that day is coming very rapidly. I feel it's imminent that we're going to see the coming of the Lord. And here's what bothers me or worries me or concerns me. If you don't want to use the word worry, here's what my spirit sort of grieves for. I believe that the church age, and as a church, we have started well. We have done great things. We've seen the kingdom of God advance to many nations. Look around. There's a lot of people here today. That's good. But the problem comes is we sometimes look at what we've done and we want to coast in for the rest of it. We say, oh, everything's great. The church is doing fine. Can't we just relax? And what happens when you relax is you do not finish well. If you'll bear with me, it won't take me long to get through this today, but I want to share with you three hindrances and three things that the church is battling today through Scripture that is preventing us, aiming to prevent us from finishing the way that God would want us to finish. Will you go with me to the Galatians chapter 5? Galatians chapter 5. I want us to start with verse 7. We're going to flip around at different parts of Galatians, so stay with me. Jot these down if you can so you'll know to go back and study and look at. But I want to note this verse. Paul is writing to the Galatian church, and, and basically they're where I think we are as a church. I think they started well. They did great things. They saw great things. But ultimately, they ran into this issue. I want you to look at this three-word sentence. You ran well. I'm going to read it again. You ran well. Now, again, forgive me. It's just what we are. Let me take you to grammar class for a second. Can we do that? You ran well. Ran is a past tense verb. Everybody with me? If you are, say yeah. I said grammar. I don't want you to get PTSD. I want you to stay with me, okay? Okay. Ran is a past tense verb. That means it's something that happened in the... But not only did it happen in the past, it also ended in the past. You ran well. It's an indication that there was something really good that you guys did. You were running your race. Paul, the reason I use a sports metaphors when I can, Paul used them a lot. He said that the, uh, the kingdom of God, our walk with God, is a race. He talked a lot about running the race. And so that's what he's saying here. He says, hey, you ran well. That's good when we first think about it, right? Wow, that means they were doing some good things in the past. Here's the problem. It ended at some point. So not only is it a victory in the past, unfortunately, though, it is a present failure. It was a past glory, but it's a present failure. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Those three words, you ran well, are probably the three saddest words in Scripture. It's an indication that things were going well, but unfortunately, they ended. What was it that was going so well? Well, flip back with me, Galatians chapter 4. Let me show you this, verses 13 through 15. Galatians chapter 4. Verses 13 through 15 says this, You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. So here's the first thing that we know the Galatian church started well. They received the word. The word was preached to them by Paul, the one who wrote most of the New Testament. If you're gonna, if you're gonna hear a good sermon, I would imagine it would be from Paul. Amen. They heard Paul preach to them. He he himself brought them the gospel. And notice the next verse. In my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject. Hey, they didn't reject Paul. They didn't sort of cast him off. They accepted him. They loved him. They welcomed him in. But you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Do you think they loved Paul? I mean, literally, he feels that you guys did so much for me that if I would have wanted your eyes, you would have pulled them out. And if I were to ask you that today, one, you would get up and run away and say, this guy's crazy, I understand. But I don't know how many people would have the love for someone that you would willing to give them anything, literally, if it meant plucking out your own eye for their good. They loved Paul, they loved the man of God, they loved the word of God, they received the message. That's all you could ask for, right? They'd experienced the gospel, they'd received it, and they loved Paul, God's chosen servant. But something had happened that had caused them to quit running their race. Something had happened to negate all of the good that had been done with the Apostle Paul. Are you ready? There were three things, and I want to show you that today. Here's the first one. The first thing that they encountered were false teachers. False teachers. Now, deal. this is a word that in the church we hear a lot. We love to talk. We love to label people as false teachers. I know the moment I said that, some of you are hoping I'm going to start naming some names and things like that, Right? I'm not going there, but I think a lot of times the, the image of false teachers we have in our mind are not literally the false teachers that we're listening to. Let me take you to Galatians chapter 1. Let's go backwards one more time. Galatians chapter 1, start with verse 6. Paul writes and he says, I marvel, I'm astounded, I can't believe, is really the way that we could translate that, that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So here are people who had heard the gospel, received the gospel. The grace of Jesus is here to save you. They've received that salvation. They're following after him in the kingdom. But all of a sudden, very quickly, they're turning away to something else. You're turning to a different gospel in verse 7, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, then let him be accursed. So Paul's already in chapter one. He's revealing what it is that's caused them to be hindered. The first major thing is they've listened to false teachers. Let me tell you a couple of characteristics about false teachers. A couple of things that'll tell you if you're listening to a false teacher. Are you ready? The main goal of a false teacher, their, their job in the kingdom of God, and when I say that uh, sort of, you know, tongue in cheek with air quotes. Their job by the enemy in the kingdom of God is to confuse the body. To confuse the body. False teachers will come and they will give you something that sounds good, that appeals to your flesh, or that tickles your ear, and it's something you like, but they're gonna ultimately lead you down the wrong road. They're there to confuse the body of Christ. Here's another clear sign if you want to know if you're listening to a false teacher. False teachers are not concerned with reaching the lost. They only want to pray on the body of Christ. Be wary of preachers and and teachers and evangelists and people who claim to be men of God who do not take time to try to reach people who are lost. The whole purpose of the kingdom of God is to bring people in. Is anyone listening today? They merely want to pray upon the body of Christ. The Apostle Paul doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't treat them, you know, all with, with dignity or anything. He says that they're perverters of the truth. The word perversion, we know we already have a negative connotation or context of what the word perversion means. It's something that was meant and created sacred, but we're taking it and use it in an evil or fleshly way, right? Same thing with the gospel. We're taking something pure that was meant to save the soul of, of of mankind, but we take that and we pervert it and we add humanity or human influence, human opinion and human interpretation to something that God ordained and it becomes a perversion of the gospel. And you know what Paul said about those people? He didn't say, well, maybe they'll figure it out. No, he said they should be accursed. That's strong language, am I right? These false teachers in Galatia were looking to pervert the gospel. Now, how did they do that? Let's go to chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2. Paul then begins to deal with specifically how these false teachers were leading the people away, astray. Look with me. He said, We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles... In knowing that man is not justified by the works of law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Let me make sure you understand what I'm saying, or what Paul is saying. Our justification, that word justification, that means that we have been made righteous in the eyes of God. You know how we're justified? It has absolutely nothing to do with what we do. It has nothing to do with our own strength. It has nothing to do with our own ability and our own talents. And I don't know about you, but I am thankful for that. Maybe some of you feel like you would stand a chance, but I know me. If I had to depend on my own ability and my own talents and my own worth and my own merit to get me by and to make me pleasing to Jesus, then I would be not be here. I would fail. But I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God seemed fit to send his only begotten son, Jesus, to come and live a perfect, sinless life and let him be sacrificed on the cross. Let him give his life so that I could be saved. And by the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross, I don't have to worry or lean on my own righteousness, but the grace of God washes me clean, and the righteousness of Jesus is what the Lord sees when he looks at me. It's good preaching. I'm thankful for that. That's what Paul is saying. You don't have to justify yourself. It's Jesus who justifies you. Now, what did the p- false teachers here say? They were beginning to tell people that, no, you still have to obey the law. You remember what Pastor shared with us last week in his investment series? He shared that story of Peter when before he went and met Cornelius. Peter is wondering what to do. Well, that sheet comes down. In front of him, he sees all these animals, and the Lord is saying, Peter, take and eat. What did Peter say? Oh, it's unclean. Peter, see, was still living by the oh. He was told, no, if I'm telling you to eat it, then you can. You've been justified by faith. Is this making sense this morning? So understand the false teachers had come in to Galatia, and had begun to infiltrate the gospel and begin to pervert the gospel by telling them, hey, you're saved by faith, but you need to understand, you also have to follow the law. And Paul's saying, you can't listen to that. Look at verse 17. He's explaining why. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. In other words, the whole story of mankind is, is our flesh became sinful and we tried to figure it out on our own. And guess what? It wasn't successful. We couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't redeem ourselves. It could only come through the blood of Jesus Christ and then our faith in believing that he did that work. If we're trying anything else in the gospel, we're trying to add any other rules or regulations to the gospel than that, then guess what? We're taking away the glory of Jesus Christ. We're claiming that what he did was not good enough. I'm here to tell you there's false teaching that has infiltrated the kingdom of God. There's people who would have you believe that you grace and faith alone in Jesus Christ can't save you. There's people who will try to add religion and regulation and tell you you have to prayeth a certain way and you have to dress a certain way and you have to look a certain way and you have to sing a certain type of songs. I'm here to tell you that that's religion that's aimed to divide and cause you to be destroyed. I'm here to tell you that salvation comes by faith alone in Jesus not man-made opinion. Jesus came to save us from religion. He didn't come to put us in a new religion. Is I listening to me today? Our relationship with Jesus Christ is what gives us our salvation. It's what justifies us. So notice what he said. If I, through the law, died to the law, that I might live to God. All that's passed away. So if I'm going to live in God, why do I need to join an institution or listen to a false teacher who tries to add extra rules and regulations that are not biblical or not a part of my relationship with Jesus? Next verse. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And His life, and this life, which I now live, In the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Aren't you thankful that you're alive because of Jesus today? Verse 21, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in If we're going to finish well, if we're going to finish well, we cannot continue to give credence to people who in voices who are trying to add extra laws to our relationship with Jesus Christ. The Galatians were trying to mix all these things together, and Paul was saying, no, 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 you've been delivered from that. Jesus came, he died, you've been delivered from the law. Now let me make sure you understand this, because as much as you can go too crazy and try to live by law and be religious, There's some people who have gone the far other way and we've perverted grace. Can I show you that? Go to Jude with me. Jude, verse 16. Jude called out false teachers as well. The false teachers he was calling out were the ones who had gone too far the other way. And they said, hey, grace means you can do whatever you want to. Listen to what he called them. They're grumblers and complainers walking according to their own lusts. And they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. I don't know about you, just look around society. People will tell you whatever they think you want to hear if it gives them some sort of credence. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons. People who are only looking at feelings and emotion, what feels right in the moment. People who cause what? Divisions. Would you look around society today? Our society out there is the most divided society we've likely had in a very long time. We have allowed these voices to come in and cause us to be divided against one another. And I'm not just talking about out there, I'm talking about in here. Because in a lot of ways, what's happened out there, we've allowed to infiltrate the kingdom of God. If people don't see things the exact same way we do, if people didn't didn't believe exactly, right a line. I'm not talking about the basic tenets of the gospel. I'm just talking about opinion and belief. And because people don't believe exactly or see things the way we do, they must be completely wrong. And it's us against them. That's a lie from the enemy. That's a weapon of the enemy but notice what he says. These people who cause divisions do not have what? The spirit. There are a lot of voices in the kingdom of God right now who are speaking things and saying things and putting things out there and people are sharing them all over social media and they have no plan to unite the kingdom of God. They're simply causing more division with their rhetoric. I'm here to tell you that's Jude told the people then, those people are false teachers. Those aren't voices we need to listen to. But you, beloved, in verse 20, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit, talking to the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in love, in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So you have false teachers who will tell you that everything, you have to keep following these rules or you're not really have it. You have these false teachers over here who say, oh, you can do whatever you want to. All that sin doesn't matter. God's saying, you need to worship me in spirit and in truth, in faith and in grace. Grace that I've forgiven you of all the sins that you've committed, but the grace of knowing that you need to walk in the spirit and turn away from those things that you did in your formal life. Everybody understand. Who are these false teachers in our mind today. Well, we always think of the people who are preaching and teaching to you and that's obvious. But again, we have a lot of people who are causing division and, and, and spouting off things and we're delving it. in. We're, we're enjoying it. We're indulging it. Scroll through social media today and you'll see all kinds of people causing division in their videos. We're sharing them all over the place. Won't share a scripture or an all-season sermon video to save her life, but we're going to share some false information. We have people willing to believe anything that someone says if it gives us a hope that it agrees with our agenda, not worrying if it's true. That's not what the kingdom of God has to do in this day and age. We have to believe and share the truth. Second hindrance. If you can't get us through false theology and false teachers and people who are telling us what we want to hear and leading us the wrong way, then again, he's going to cause division and cause fighting among Christians. You're like, surely not here. I'm not saying here at all seasons. I'm not saying anything's going on. Again, I'm talking within the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, people that I know that at their core, they have the same values, have allowed things in this society. They've allowed things in their opinion, and the way they see things, to cause division and cause them to speak out against one another, and we're divided. Look at Galatians five fifteen. Paul was telling them. He said, "Listen, if you bite and devour one another, beware that you be consumed by one another." What did Jesus say? A house divided against itself cannot what? Well, can't stand. Be careful when you start to speak out and point out and throw stones at people who are involved in the kingdom of God, because we are to love. We're not meant to hate. This is, is, I told you, I gave you a warning. This wasn't going to be the most fun thing for you to listen to, but I'm giving you some truth. We have to love and not hate and not just love the people who agree with us. We're supposed to love who? Our enemies too. First Corinthians three, let me go take you there. Paul had the same issue with the Corinthian church. He told them in 1 Corinthians 3, And I, brethren, cannot speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food or meat, for until now you were able to receive it, and even now you're still not able. I have two sons, as most of you know. I have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old, and I would dare say that whenever they get into a spout or disagreement, there's more logic and reason in their talking back and forth than most of the things we see on social media today between people who are so called mature Christians. Everything's that he said, she said, or, or what about, but what about, but what about? Paul's talking to the Corinthian church. They were backbiting. They were fighting. They were talking and arguing back and forth. And he says, listen, I got to talk to you like babies. You're like children. I have to deal with you carnally. Listen, we're not battling against flesh and blood. Amen. We're battling against a spiritual enemy, against principalities. And Paul is saying, listen, you're not able because you haven't grown up yet. For you're still carnal for where there are envy, strife, and divisions. When people are constantly looking at someone else with disdain because maybe they don't have what they, you don't have what they have. You don't get the attention they do. That's envy. That's of the enemy strife, just constant complaining and grumbling and things not always being your way, divisions, when you just sent, you just refuse and can't find common ground with people who see things somewhat differently than you do. And again, I'm not talking upon the basis of the gospel. I'm just talking in generalities here. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? I'm here to tell you the light of the world that we're supposed to shine in the darkness is not going to shine if we're acting like the darkness. Verse 4, for when one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? They were carnal even to the point of going to church. Oh, is Paul preaching today? Uh, I'm more of an Apollos fan. I'll sit down. I like Apollos more. I don't want to listen to Paul today. Some of y'all are thinking that right now. Where's Pastor Lot? I'm all a Pastor Lot person. I gotta get it. But no, seriously, we get ourselves into that mind too, too too greatly because we're carnal. We're not we're not in a spiritual mindset. We're thinking in the flesh. And Paul said, "You can't grow as a kingdom. We can't finish well if we're trying to defeat a spiritual enemy with our flesh." James three. James 3, 14 through 18. Notice what he says. But if you have bitter envy, there's that word again, and self-seeking in your hearts. I've talked about this before. I'll talk about it again. One of the biggest enemies of the church today and of society today is we're one of the most selfish uh, societies that that maybe has existed here on the earth. Self-seeking. We're totally after what we can get out of everything. Sadly, within the kingdom of God, even ministry sometimes can be self-seeking. Someone will take a position or do some sort of ministerial role if in some way they think it'll help them climb a ladder. That's self-seeking. Man, I'll do that for the church if you guys will write a check or give me, you know, make sure you talk about it on stage in front of everybody. That's self-seeking. When you're out in the world and you're serving people and, you you know, you just. Hey, make sure you snap pictures of this and share it so I can get all the likes. I'm not trying to put anybody down, but I'm just making sure you understand how much of our motive is self-seeking. He said, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Don't pretend you're doing something that you're not. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly. Earthly, carnal. Notice this next word, sensual. Notice the third word. We don't like this. Demonic. Those type of mentalities come from the enemy. They come from the pit of hell. And he sends them to try to destroy the church. Satan knows if he can destroy the church, then there's still souls he can prevent from getting into the kingdom of God. We have to finish well. We have to get rid of the bitter envy and we have to get rid of the self-seeking within our hearts. We have to pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to cleanse us and purify us so that we can live for Him. Hindrance number three. Is this good so far? One more hindrance. If He can't get you through false teaching and theology, if He can't cause the division among you to start fighting with one another to put you down, He'll just simply... Help you give in to the works of the flesh. There are those who are given to the works of the flesh. Just ultimately forget about the Spirit. We're going to walk in the flesh. Let's go back to Galatians 5, starting with verse 16. Paul begins to walk through and show them exactly what this looks like. He gives them some instructions. He says, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Everything we do in this life, walk in and follow the Spirit. Not the list of codes that someone gave you written and printed on the paper and said, make sure you do all of these and don't do all of these. Walk in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Jesus told His disciples, He said, I have to go away, but there's coming a comforter. Go wait for Him. It's the Holy Spirit. And when He comes, it's the Spirit that will lead you into all truth. The Spirit will lead you and show you and tell you where it is you need to go. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Do you understand that? Those two entities are constantly working against each other. Therefore, there is no such thing as a compromise. Are you all with me? There's so much of a desire on the inside of us to try to feed our flesh. Oh, I want to fight with the flesh. I need to win this argument. I need to tell them how they're wrong. All these things, all these things. And we leave the Spirit out of it. Walk in the Spirit. He'll tell you what to say. Walk in the Spirit. He'll show you where to go and what to do. Verse 18. But if you're led by the Spirit, guess what? You're not under the... So is it wrong to, to be modest? Is it wrong to, to have a code of, a standard that you say, I'm not going to do those things? Of course not. But, but how is that standard defined? It's because I'm walking by with the Spirit. As I walk with the Spirit, as I learn to listen to His voice, as I continue to get into the Word and I hear the Spirit show me things, I know what I need to stay away from. I know what I need to remove from my life. I know what clothes then I'll need to put on. Are y'all listening? I'm living by the Spirit. That's the way that this thing was supposed to work. Now, the works of the flesh, they're evident. He begins to give a list, and most of us, we can understand these, but let's make sure. These are evident. Adultery. The Spirit, walking in the Spirit, isn't going to lead you to cheat on your spouse. Fornication. Holy Spirit ain't going to lead you in a situation where you can lose your purity. Uncleanness. Lewdness, idolatry. Oh, that God would help us to cast down the idols that are up in front of us in this nation. Sorcery, hatred, hatred. I'm going to say that again hatred. Sometimes, in, in some way, in our, I'm going to say this strongly, and I'm, I've prayed, Holy Spirit, again, help me say this the way I need to say it, but. We've we've come to even believe here in the church, as long as it's someone who's against us, has a different belief or a different label than us, it's okay for us to hate those people. No. The Spirit is not a spirit of hate. Surely there's people who have different opinions that I do that I feel go against the Word of God, but it doesn't mean I can hate those people. I can hate their beliefs or hate this or hate that. I don't have to hate them. And sadly, the, the, the tensions politically and socially here in our country have led us to believe that it's an us-against-them mentality. And the kingdom of God says, come all whosoever will. I know that's tough for you to listen to, but that's what the word of God says. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Selfish ambitions. Oh, that's a tough one. Selfish ambitions. We get to the place where it's all about building my kingdom and not the kingdom of God. Dissensions. Heresies. Heresies. Things that we know aren't true, but we're willing to share and spread those things out. People who are supposed to be believers that we can count on for truth. Willing to share anything that we think may align with what we believe, whether it's true or not. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past that those who practice such things will not, what, inherit the kingdom of God. If we want to finish well, we have to ensure that we're not giving in to these lusts of the flesh. We have to make sure beyond all shadow of the doubt that we're walking in the Spirit, that we're listening to the Spirit, that we're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide what it is that we're doing and what we're saying. How do we know the opposite? Look at one more thing for me, the next verse. But, see the opposite of all those things we just mentioned, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. If you're walking by the Spirit, you're going to produce this fruit and it's going to be evident to everyone that you come in contact with. That's the way that we finish well. Let me give you another nugget here before we go this morning. Sometimes we look at those fruits of the Spirit and we sometimes think we can kind of pick and choose ones that may fit what we want to be. Okay, I'm good at that. Those will be my fruit of the Spirit. I truly don't believe the fruit of the Spirit are meant to work that way. Let me explain. You say, well, I'm pretty good at joy. I'm kind of happy. I laugh a little bit. I smile. I like joy. I'll just be a joy tree. That'll be my fruit. Don't, Don't be trying to bring any patience in here. I don't want any of that. I'm not going to love you. I'm just going to be happy and have joy. I don't think it works that way. Some people maybe, you know, I'm gentle. I'm, I have a good way of, of handling people. I'm gentle. I don't want any joy. I'm just, I'm just gentle. Fruit of the Spirit don't work that way. You know, I've heard it explained like this before. I won't take credit for it, but I've, I've heard it explained this way. You think about a citrus fruit. You, you ever cut open a grapefruit or an orange or a lemon? You look at it. Y'all with me? I don't know if you have done that before? You cut it open, and it has wedges, right? I look at the fruit of the Spirit, instead of all these different fruits on one tree, just one fruit, you cut it open, and each section has a different aspect to it. When I look at that fruit, I'm going to have love, and I'm going to have joy, and I'm going to have gentleness, and I'm going to have peace, and I'm going to have self-control, and I'm going to have patience. I believe that if we're going to claim to be the body of Christ, a true Spirit-filled operating body of Christ, if we're a member of that body, then we have to show those fruits. The, the world doesn't see love, joy, and peace on the inside of us. Where are they going to find it? And if we're not producing that kind of fruit, then maybe we're not truly living the way that we should by the Spirit. Listen to me this morning. I told you it wouldn't take me long. Straightforward. This is difficult for us to kind of hear sometimes. Understand that I believe that we are, as I said before, in the last days. And I'm looking around the room. There's a lot of you I know, some of you I don't know. But I believe if if I had the ability of God to just look at what you guys have done in your lives for the kingdom of God, when I just look at what this building here represents as far as, man, all the seeds that have been sown already through All Seasons Worship Center and all the great things that have happened, Man, as we were talking earlier, we can see evidence, we can talk testimony. There's a lot of great things that have happened. I believe the kingdom of God in this area has truly been impacted by what has happened by everyone that's sitting here. Amen. But here's the problem the game's not over. The game isn't over. Just like my basketball team that I root for, they some of them they apparently thought the game was over and tried to coast in. We can't coast in to, to God's coming and just say, please come quickly so I don't have to do anything else. It's the mentality that some have. You're probably thinking, well, it's easy for you to say, I know, I, I probably still look pretty young. I'm just in my 30s. but And I've been in ministry for about 15 years myself at this point. And I've been in church all my life. I know, I promise I know what it's like to get weary and will doing I know what it's like to get tired and think, man, haven't I done enough? You know, I have that conversation with God almost weekly, it feels like, at times, just with different situations. God, haven't I done enough that you can just kind of, you know, give me a break or something? Now's not the time to take your foot off the gas. Now's not the time to look for a rest. Now's the time where our urgency has to grow. Are you all listening to me this morning? Now's the time where urgency is important. The game isn't over and God still wants to do something great in these last days. I believe there is a revival and a revival that is coming where people are going to come to the truth and people are going to be saved and brought into the kingdom of God. My question for you and my challenge for you is what are you doing to ensure you're a part of that revival and not a hindrance to that revival? Will you stand with me this morning? You close your eyes. We have a few minutes. No need to rush. I'd ask you to just kind of close your eyes and allow Holy Spirit to begin speaking to your heart right now. Just invite Him to begin to check your heart and listen to what He has to say. Maybe you're here listening to me. You say, Pastor Bradley, I'd... I know that I've let some voices into my life that have not been healthy. I've started listening and following voices. Maybe it's social media voices. Maybe it's media in general voices. Maybe it's just negative people in my life. I've allowed those voices to begin to speak into my spirit. and They're beginning to drag me down. They're beginning to dampen my light. Maybe I've found myself trying to justify myself. I've been looking to the law to save me and not to grace. Maybe you're here and you're just like, you know what? I've maybe I've perverted God's grace. There's some things that the Holy Spirit right now may be convicting you of that. I gotta, I gotta let that go. Maybe you're here and again, the tensions of today's political and social climate have allowed division to come in. You've you heard someone say something or someone posted something and you immediately just built up a wall and there's there's tension toward that person. You haven't went to that person and dealt with it. Maybe it has nothing to do with that. Maybe it's someone in here didn't shake your hand. Maybe you're just still dealing with some family conflict where somebody offended you and that division is still a burden. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I've been living my life chasing after the lusts of the flesh. I've been self-seeking. I've allowed hatred to invade my heart. I need the fruit of the Spirit to sprout forth. I need the fruit of the Spirit to grow forth. I need people to see the light of Jesus in me. Listen, if you're hearing any of these things as the Holy Spirit speaking and he's tugging on your heart, just know, first of all, these altars are open. If you need to come and lay it down, and as a sign to God saying, God, I'm serious today. This isn't just lip service, I'm serious. You want to step out. There are people who will meet you here and will pray with you here in the altar. These altars are open if you would like to step out. But even right there at your seat, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Bradley, I've heard the word of the Lord. I've allowed the word of the Lord to embed in my heart. The Holy Spirit has highlighted and shown me things I need to correct. And I'm going to make a commitment today that from this point forward, I'm going to finish strong. I'm not going to let the enemy come back and steal what we have worked to build here on this earth. We're going to make sure the kingdom of God prevails. And I want to be a part of that. If you're here today and you're going to make that commitment, as we're praying here, this closing prayer, I ask you wherever you are to lift both of your hands to heaven and pray with me and declare that God's kingdom will advance. Father, we thank you this morning for your many blessings. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for justifying us through faith. We thank you, God, that you sent your son so that we didn't have to follow by the law, but God, that we could receive grace that was unmerited. Father, we thank you for all that you have done, for allowing us to be a part of your kingdom. So we pray, God. Lord, for those who have been listening to the wrong voices, Father, we pray that those voices be silenced. We pray that your spirit, the voice of your spirit, become loud and clear in our hearts. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to know what you would have us to do. Lead us and guide us. Father, for any who has fault with someone within the kingdom, Father, I pray, Lord, that you will give us the grace to forgive. Give us the courage to apologize. Draw us close together so that we can be a united, unified kingdom of God. Father, for those who are chasing after the lusts of the flesh, fathers, they confess those things to you. We know that your grace is good enough to forgive. Wash us clean. Forgive us for allowing our flesh, God, to become the center of our battles, Father. Help us to walk by your Spirit. We declare, God, that this year will be another year of greatness in your name. We declare, God, that you are going to unify your people. And as you unify your people, Father, we declare that we are going to see your goodness this year, that we're going to continue to make an impact and see souls come to a saving knowledge of Jesus this year. We thank You and praise You for all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on. We give Jesus a hand clap of praise for what He's going to do. God bless you today. Glad you all are here. Go give the devil fits. You can beat everybody else to lunch today, looks like. God bless you.